The first step in getting closer to God is to realize that you need to or that you want to. And the second step in getting closer to God is to realize that it's possible. I want to encourage you to check out my book, Getting Closer to God, Anthologies from the Forefront Trilogy, Book 2. I think this will really be helpful to you in your pursuit of the Lord and help you understand what I learned over the first 30 plus years of my life as a believer, as a minister, and as a missionary in uh, a lot of the countries of the earth. Check it out. Anthologies from the Forefront, Book 2, Getting Closer to God. It's on Amazon. Welcome to Foundational Missions Leadership Moment. Join your host, Scott McClelland of FX Missions, as he deep dives into the lives of leaders to glean secrets that will propel today's leaders to new heights. Here's Scott. Hey guys, Scott here for FX Missions Podcasting. Hope you're doing well. Hey, just want to give a little bit of a heads up here, a slightly different episode type. I published some time ago uh, an article on the blog talking about the ice cream machine is broken at McDonald's. At the time, I really didn't know this is kind of a cultural curiosity that folks have. Later found out there were videos and all kinds of stuff, a documentary about why this is. And you can even go on the web and see where all these ice cream machines are broken in the U.S. Fascinating. For my part, it seemed like something more under the surface. So I unpacked that a little bit uh, in a blog article. And then someone suggested uh, that we do a podcast on it, talking about leadership and those kinds of things. So I enticed uh, Brian Ensminger, who's a part of our podcast, to join me in that effort. And what follows is our podcast uh, regarding why, not maybe not why the ice cream machine is broken at your neighborhood McDonald's, but what does it mean in a bigger sense? Please do share this uh, with folks you think will be entertained by it because it's really something different. And uh, we thank you and appreciate you for being a part of FX Missions Podcasting. So you're not going to attract the the quality of people that are necessarily going to think that they have to invest their time and responsibility in keeping that one ice cream machine up and running. I don't know. What do do you think? Well, I think you've made some good points and I'm going to have to agree with you. Uh Oh, and and I'm not going to contrast you here, Brian. I think in this, I'm against something that I think is an undercurrent that contributes to this outcome that we have. If you think about franchising, you know, franchising was a huge explosion Mm. in U.S. business. You know, if you read or watched The Founder, I'm I'm not sure if that came from a book or not, but I I certainly watched The Founder, which was the origin story of McDonald's as a the thing we know it to be today. Did you see that? I have not. No. Yeah. It's a dark origin story. Okay, it's not flattering in a lot of ways. I do think it has value in terms of informing our perspective. But if, it, if you go back to franchising, McDonald's was one of, the, one of the first people to franchise. 
and a host of others joined that. And there's a lot of different franchising opportunities. Now, what a franchise does is it says, look, we have created a system here. We have a system that can be unplugged from where we are, plugged into where you are, and you just add the proper ingredients around the system, and you're going to get similar types of outcomes. To me, that you know can't be argued with in a holistic way. There's some definitely some merit to what is being uh, demonstrated, and it's all over the certainly all over the U.S. and all over the world. But I think what happens when we're taking that state of mind too far is the rapid sort of institutionalization of these kinds of efforts, these organizations, those kinds of things. And I think it's the dehumanizing, right? What you're saying is that the investment is low from a human capital point of view. And I think that if we're not careful, franchising creates an institutionalization that devalues the individual that's involved or maybe doesn't emphasize the value of the individual that's, uh, you know, serving that customer. Am I making any sense there? I think you are. And actually, it it brings some interesting questions to mind. And I, I don't want this to sound disparaging at all, but it makes me think about the model of, let's just talk about Sunday school right now, because most churches operate with a Sunday school model where they have a curriculum and you can basically place any person in there. And as long as they've read the curriculum, Mm -hmm. they can kind of lead the class. And the idea is to have a framework that people can use. I would think of it like a trellis that you want to grow some roses on or something where you, Mm -hmm. you want to have a framework to make it as easy as possible. And the idea is that, you know, you don't have to spend 20 hours a week researching and trying to put something together and trying to create a cohesive whole and actually trying to think across multiple grade levels and all of that stuff. You've got a system that allows it to do that and then allows people when they're in there to try and focus on those relationships and, you know, bringing the themness, if you will, to the table. But I also know that sometimes what happens with that kind of thing is you just start looking for a warm body, anybody that will say yes, and doesn't actually view what they're doing with the same level of concern or intensity as somebody else. And so what was intended for good can actually start causing harm for everybody involved, not because there's necessarily anything wrong with having a curriculum. I actually think a curriculum is a great thing. My brother works with an organization that that's part of what they do is develop these curriculums. Mm. But at the same time, if you don't understand the value of the people that you're getting and you can't, as a leader, if you can't speak to them in a way that draws out the best of them so they can bring that to the table every week or however often it is that they serve in that capacity, then you're really selling everybody short on what they could both get and give, what they could bring to the table as well as what they could receive from that relationship, because it's actually less than it could be. Well said. Thank you for that. I hadn't thought about it in those terms, but it makes total sense what you're saying. And I think this is another example. I think there are many, many examples of this institutionalization of life. And one thing I've observed about institutions Okay. On the plus side, there's a quote on my blog that says, without institutions, nothing will last 
beyond the life of the founder. So institutionalization for the plus side gives us longevity. It lets something continue to last for maybe several lifetimes. On the minus side for institutionalization, as organizations, movements, ministries, businesses, any type of human organization, however, whatever you want to call that, any type of human group that have are approaching something as a focused effort, as that becomes institutionalized, it will calcify typically. And as it calcifies, it stops serving its original intended purpose. And at some point in so many of these stories, the reason for the organization is supplanted from its original intent and self-perpetuation takes the place of the original contribution that that organization or group was making. That's a lot I said there in a little bit of time. Yeah, it is. And actually, my perspective on that might be a little bit different. I hope that's okay. Please, yes. I think that sometimes what happens is that when something starts to become institutionalized. Let's just start with there's a person or a small group of people that become organized around a thing, and then that Mm -hmm. becomes the broader thing, and eventually it has a vision statement, a mission statement, whatever stuff that's there, right? Mm -hmm. I feel like, and I could be wrong, that sometimes, maybe most of the time, where it starts to fall down isn't necessarily that the people that would follow, let's call it two to three generations later, whatever generation means in this context, mm-hmm. are actually staying true to the the mission as they understand it. But the mission as it was codified maybe never really got to the heart of what was being done. And then as the world begins to change, the organization doesn't change to meet the actual need it was meeting in the first place. Mm. So let's think about like felt needs versus actual needs, right? Maybe you've got abused children that need blankets, right? And so we provide blankets for children in need. Okay, that's great. But what we're actually doing is giving them hope and letting them know that people care about them. Well, if the context of the culture changes or the context of those children changes and we can no longer deliver blankets, if we don't know that what they actually needed was hope and to know that somebody cared about them, then we either cease to exist because they don't need blankets anymore, or we continue providing blankets when that's not what they need. And everybody looks at us like we're an idiot. And we're saying, but hey, we provide blankets because kids need them. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it, it makes total sense. And I think that if we're looking at this concept as a whole, the slices that I'm emphasizing and the slices that you're emphasizing, they're sitting pretty close to each other on the wheel. <laughs> Probably so, yeah. Though maybe slightly different, I think at the end of this process, we have to look at ourselves and say, are we serving and having a contribution of the kind and quality that are expected and that we should hold ourselves responsible to? I think in that way, both of our points of view are touching. You know what I'm saying? We're yeah. The line between my point of view and your point of view, it's a shared line there. And I think that Both of those things are important that you're saying. Oh, yeah. I think it's also possible that maybe we forget sometimes whose vision it was in the first place and who it is that we're actually serving. And we hold on to the organization or the institution's goals rather than listening 
and saying, hey, wait a minute, this was the goal, but let's, let's put it in the context of the church, right? So if you're in church leadership, whose church is it? It's not actually yours. You might have a responsibility to that local body, but that doesn't mean that it's yours. And as such, you have to hold it with open hands. And I think that mm. we sometimes forget to do that too. Well said. Agreed. I think getting back to the founder's intent or to, you know, I think the military term is the commander's intent. Um, I've studied the military a lot, won't go down that road very far. But the idea is that when you get your orders, there's also an unspoken thing that accompanies the order. And that is like, what did the commander have in mind when he issued this order? You might follow this order by the letter of the law right down the line and end up somewhere different from what the commander had in mind. <laughs> I think yeah. that very much goes right with what you're saying and is, is something we can observe from the military as to, are we doing the stuff and are we also fulfilling the commander's intent or in the founder's intent? In this case, obviously, we're talking about Jesus. We're talking about our heavenly father. What did he start this effort with the intent to accomplish, you know? And how can we keep ourselves accountable to that in our service to others? I really appreciate your point there. And I think it expands on mine in a way that I <laughs> feel better off for. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Yeah. So if I can, the one kind of question that I don't really know how to answer is, let's bring it back to the ice cream machine and say, okay, we realize that the ice cream machine is broken. But not only is the ice cream broken, but the ice cream machine is systemically broken, as in it has become a thing that there is a, an expectation that there is a high probability that the ice cream machine won't be working when I come and want to get my ice cream. So as the theoretical owners of a franchise or as the leadership for McDonald's Global, whatever that organization is called now, what do we do? Like, we realize there's a problem. How do we fix it? Great question. I would hope that this is something that's on the, the radar. As I said in the article, I'm, I'm not sure. This is never making it to anybody with any influence in a position of influence. And that wasn't sure. my intention in the first place. But, 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 but let's, it, it's a good question. Yes. Yeah. Let, let's take it to your business, though, right? You, you own a business where you do voiceover yeah. IP stuff. If there is something that becomes a systemic expectation that you're not going to deliver as expected anymore... How do you do it? I mean, there's a remedial work of fixing the thing, right? Your phones don't work. We go fix them. How do you begin to address the deeper issue? It's something I think very relevant. I appreciate you bringing it back like that as well. I think if we're not ready, I've been in the, this particular business about 25 years. And if you think about the kind of the origin story of this industry that I'm in, it's pretty interesting. There's a lot going on there, uh, regulated monopolies. We won't get into the whole thing there, but there's a lot to unpack. But all of that history is in itself creating expectations, you know, and your personal history is creating expectations. And all of those things you kind of take responsibility for as a person who's doing this, right? And some of those expectations you didn't really espouse, but, you know, it's, it's just part of the package of what mm -hmm. people come to you to solve. If you have a systemic issue, uh, that's going to be self-rectifying, I think. You're going to either 
find a way to satisfy the reasonable expectations, especially the ones that you have had a part in creating, or you're going to lose the opportunity (laughs) to serve in the way that you are saying that you will. Uh, We continue to grow. My business has been growing for some years now. Went through several, some cycles, and when the industry really had big changes that happened inside of them. But uh, this is something I've come to understand and believe and consider it to be something that's been entrusted to me from God, believe it or not, that I'm here to do these things that I'm doing as unto the Lord. The person I'm talking to maybe doesn't look like, act like, smell like, (laughs) you know, whatever I would expect the Lord would look like. But my opportunity to serve that person is given to me by God. And because of that, I need to do it as unto him in my service. Kind of went around the tree there a little bit, but what do you (laughs) think? Yeah. Well, actually, I'd kind of like to take that just a little bit deeper in corporate speak. We'd say I'd like to double click into that just a tiny bit because we have to make up new phrases and stuff. But (laughs) that part notwithstanding, (laughs) the thing that stuck out to me was you said that if you don't rectify the issue, you will lose the ability to serve. But that presupposes that you have that desire to serve in the first place, which was the entire reason for this article. So let's assume for just a second that you're speaking to the broader Western society where mm-hmm. you're seeing, hey, maybe we don't want to serve as much as we used to. We want to be served or we want minimal mm-hmm. response, whatever the thing is that you've diagnosed. How would you then begin as a leader to address the issue of, hey, wait a minute, we're actually here to serve somebody? And not just the Bob Dylan tune. (laughs) You got me with that one, Brian. You know, it's a good question. I got to say that. How do we begin to approach that? What are some of the things that we can do? I think repentance is, you know, probably what we all need to stay in touch with. And that's the thing I think that brings us back to the center, right? We're all going to, you know, as the scripture clearly foretells, we we all like sheep have gone astray. I think we're going to maybe start out with the right kind of motivation, the right kind of performance, and the right kind of heart of service. And over time, what does the scripture say? Because offenses will abound, the love of many will grow cold, right? So when you're out here doing your thing, you're getting beat up on a little bit, right? And in that process of getting beat up on, your motivations can be worse for the wear, if you will. I think if we got to stay close to, from my point of view as a believer, I think we got to stay close to God. I've got to stay. I've got to stay close to Jesus in this process to be able to continue sharing and demonstrating His motive. And the world and business and all of those things are set up in such a way as to make that not a given, right? So yeah. that to me is important for us to keep in mind and to keep in touch with. And if we find that we have slipped from the place where we started, you know, I I think of the book of Revelation, right? You've left your first love. Obviously, there's there's something to say there, as well as that's one of the stories of the seven churches. And and, and another one, there's, you know, the idea is I'm going to, you know, I've walked among you here, and here's here's where you started, here's where you're going, here's what I have of concern with you. And if you don't, you know, here's what, here's the promise, here's the challenge, and here's the consequence, right? And I think that in life, these are big themes that 
that flow in every area that we live. The removing of the candlestick is the idea <laughs> that's coming to mind. I mean, Jesus said, do this, and if you fail to, I'm going to come and remove your candlestick. I think this is the opportunity for service that sort of I'm trying to make a parallel here. But I think we've got to stay close to God, and I think we've got to stay oh, self-aware at the same time. How are we needing to reconcile ourselves to the heart that maybe we started with or maybe the intent of the founder, if you will? This is a big deal to me, and I, I don't think that I do a great job of it. I mean, you don't want to serve a customer who, you know, sometimes acts like acts in a manner that you don't feel is service worthy, right? Did you have I'm that experience plead. this week? <laughs> I'm going to plead the fifth <laughs> on that one. <laughs> That's all for this week, guys, on what it means that your local McDonald's has a broken ice cream machine. Tune in next week for the continuing story. And thanks for being a part of FX Missions podcasting with the Leadership Moment. Thank you for joining Scott with today's Leadership Moment. We hope you've apprehended an inspirational nugget or two that when activated in your own life will be imparted into those you lead. You may contact Scott at scott at fxmissions.com. Visit fxmissions.com to learn more about how you can grow your own leadership and engage in missions. Until next time, good day, everyone.